as oil price skyrockets, U.S. gas price reaches record high. Biden faces pressure to embargo Russian oil, but what if that pushes gas price even higher? Why is the Russian army stalling against uh, outside Kiev? Is Russia reserving itself or getting stuck? Lieutenant Colonel Virchini have explained it. Georgia Trucking Executive reviews why the truckers are rising up. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wei and the Kathy Show. I'm your host, Wei Fang. I'm Kathy Zhang. Wow, what a world. Big things change every day, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just, you, you cannot even embrace it. Right. So today, of course, the gas price is on the top of the mind of the people, uh, virtually everyone. And it seems that uh, do we have a solution as we try to embargo Russian oil without pushing up the gas price? So today we will have in-depth discussion over there. And also at the end of the show, we will be moving to Safe Chat and talking about the People's Convoy that has reached Washington. Uh, I'm sorry, the D.C. District of Columbia. All right, so before that, let's dive into today's news um, about uh, the, how to say, gas price. First, oil prices soared early Monday before retreating. Benchmark U.S. crude oil surged to $130 a barrel overnight, and then moderated to around $119, a 3% gain. In afternoon trading, the international price skyrocketed to $139 before falling back to about $123 a barrel. Major U.S. stock indexes were down more than 2%. So as oil price rising, uh, we all know and we all feel that the gas price follows. So the gas price is topped $4 per gallon nationwide, which is an all-time record uh, could be broken in this week. The national average price for gas has topped uh, $4 um, a gallon for the first time in over a decade as gas costs continue to soar. The dramatic rise in cost has uh, caused the drivers panic. Okay, Gas Buddy, the popular fuel saving app that gives uh, users the cost of uh, gas in their area, had their online services go down temporarily on Monday. Due to, the record, due to the record-breaking traffic, as people look for the cheapest place to fill up their tank. And according to AAA, the average cost for a gallon of gas today is uh, $4.06 as of uh, this evening, up $0.06 cents from uh, Sunday and up uh, $0.45 cents from last week. The record high for the national average is $4.11, which was set on, uh, on July 17, 2008, and now is the closest it has ever been to this all-time record. Well, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, the average cost is also the highest since May 2011, when it was uh, uh, three, 390 okay? And the analysts predict that the record could be broken by the end of this week. And the costs are expected rise, continue to rise throughout the year. So actually in here, California, California has the highest average gas price as of today. In Southern California, there is a gas price even went almost beyond $7. 
So California just continued to shatter its record of highest gas price and the most expensive gas price in the nation, averaging $5.34 per gallon, which is the only state with an average cost over $5. And you will feel good if you live in Oklahoma, okay, because Oklahoma has the cheapest average cost of the gas. Um, and... Um, as well as Missouri. Yeah, as well as Missouri, okay, $3.60. And then the energy prices are continuing to be, to, to, to be the worst inflation that Americans have seen in 40 years, far outpacing higher wages. And the consumer prices uh, jumped to 7.5% in January compared with the, a year earlier. And analysts predict a 77.9% increase when the government reports uh, February numbers later this year. So everybody feel it. We don't even have to report all this as news because, you know, you live the news. Mm -hmm. You just um, saw, you see that every day. And um, so first, okay, before the war, of course, we all know the war contribute to this, right? And but before the war, we already have this ever-growing gas price on, at our pumps. Yeah, for a year, right? Right. So now the, the Biden administration is facing a very difficult situation. That's uh, what I'll be talking about next. And we are re importing 60, uh, close to 60 million barrels um, a day from Russia. All right. And for that, we pay over 70, $70 million. Okay, a day. I'm talking about a day. Okay. Uh, and then for the Russia-Ukrainian war, the estimated cost that uh, Russia has to spend on it is uh, 200 million. So basically, U.S. is funding one-third of the daily war that is happening in Ukraine. And of course, European countries are buying more, right? And now, with all the pressure from the left and from the right, from both parties, from the international, uh, all the countries, to stop, to embargo, to stop importing Russian, Russian oil. Can we do that? To the U.S., actually, you know, it's only like 70% of all the imported oil because only 60, uh, 60, how to say, yeah, 60 million, um, 60 million uh, barrels because we consume 18 million, okay, 18 million, I'm sorry, um, 18 million, yeah. We imported, I correct myself, not 60 million, 600,000 barrels. But anyway, that would push the oil price even higher. In other words, uh, push the gas price in the U.S. even higher. So what do we do? And at this time so far, the Biden administration has been approaching Saudi Arabia. Please pump more oil. And then go to Venezuela. Okay, U.S. officials go there on site and asking them to pump up more uh, oil. And then they are talking to uh, Iran. And if they can sign the nuclear deal, please pump more oil. This all sounds like, uh, okay, it seems to be right, okay? Because we need more oil so that our gas price will not, will, will not keep rising. But I, I, need to, I want to report to you that uh, Mr. Kutolo, if you remember, the economic advisor of President Trump, and uh, his word in CPAC, he said, okay, facing the situation, it's very easy to resolve this. U.S. needs to, to just increase, uh, increase two or three million barrels a day, and we completely have that capability. Then we'll resolve all this problem. You know, we only imported a little more than half a million barrels from Russia, but by increase two to three million uh, barrels a day production in the U.S., 
we can stop importing Russian oil, we can feed, we can supply the Europe, which is what the Trump administration did back then. And uh, except Germany, who was a kind of a careful, reserved, or simply said maybe stupid in, in the word of uh, Kudlow, the East European countries, they took it. Okay, and Germany chose to partner with Russia. This is a few years ago. Now they are tasting the, the bitter, bitter fruit. So anyway, uh, however, the, the, the Kudlow said, after the administration change, what happened today is um, um, on the day one, the uh, President Biden signed an executive order to took away to take away the license from the Keystone XL uh, pipeline. If you still remember that, and then he stopped. He asked his uh, interior ministry to stop issuing any lease, land lease, or uh, purchase uh, per permit to uh, to do the oil drilling, and. Uh, in, in on the desk of uh, energy department, energy ministry, okay, a minister, and then there are six LNG, you know, liquid, uh, liquid, um, um, uh, natural gas, okay, and the L six LNG application that has been sitting there and not being approved at all. Four of them has to do with the LNG export to the Europe. So this is what has been happening. So just take one case, okay? For the Keystone, for the Keystone XL pipeline, and that is a pipeline going from the Alberta province of Canada and all the way to Gulf, and then supply the refineries into Texas. For the first three phases, if that happen, okay, um, the pipeline will send over 700,000 700, barrels from the the oil sand, oil sand in, in the Canada. That alone will, will offset the 600,000 barrels from Russia. And in the fourth phase, if the, that, uh, if the project enter the fourth phase, the oil from Montana and from North Dakota will join. Their oil will flow into the pipeline and go to the refinery in, in, in near the Gulf, Gulf Coast. That was the plan, that single project, that single project, can <clears throat> offset the import of the oil. And um, President Trump uh, also at the CPAC said this, that the following, he said, uh, the production potential of the US oil production would be twice as much as the Russia and the Saudi Arabia combined. You know, both countries are the largest production um, today, only next to the, to the US. One is 11 million barrels a day, another is $10 million. Uh, 10 million barrels a day. And the U.S. can be twice as much of their total number combined. So, but we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Okay? As we are squeezed by this um, short of, shortage of oil, we ask Venezuela, Iran, and Saudi Arabia to increase the production. We don't do it ourselves. So we need to ask ourselves why. And uh, today, um, the, the, the Fox News the reporter and uh, Dorsey and, uh, at the White House asked the, um, um, asked the spokesperson of the White House, so why that's the case? And uh, she, I watched it. She does not, not quite uh, answer. She said, we, got, we issued 9,000 permits and they're not used. So we're not stopping it. And why those 9,000 licenses were not used? They, because of business reason in this situation or that situation, right? 
And then the reporter is asking, what about the Keystone XL pipeline license that you took away? And also all the other licenses that stopped the, the, the shale, right? The, the shale or oil production. And um, so we are asking the entire world to increase oil production. But we said we don't want to do that ourselves. What do you think? Can you write up the reason? Can you just, let's take like a 10 seconds pause and we just, can you fill in the why? It doesn't sound very reasonable, right? Because by pumping out more oil, we cut off, we just uh, you know, undermined the economic production of uh, Russia. We supplied Europe and uh, you know, pulled them out of the, the, this energy crisis. We depressed the gas price and then in, consequently the inflation. And then we make a lot of money, right? We make a lot of money. And why don't we do that? What do you think? What do you think of the reason? I just want to see your response there. And uh, before I give my opinion, and um, okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, um, you can have your own opinion, okay? There's very little media report on, on this matter. So each media journalist can only draw his own, you know, his or her own conclusion on this. And my answer is very, very simple because it's politically incorrect. Okay, the Democratic government think that um, this is a major issue. We need to undercut and phase out uh, fuel, how to say, uh, energy, and switch to green energy. So because of that, on the day one, uh, Biden canceled several permits, permits and, uh, and uh, asked his internal ministry not to issue any new, any new uh, lease, lease permit or purchase permit for oil drilling. All right, that's, that's the Democrat Party's policy. Okay, dictated by the extreme radical left within the party. So no matter what we run into, okay, the situation, the mess we are in, and then the big war, and then the oil crisis, they still stick with that. Otherwise, they're going to have internal fight, internal crisis. So Biden administration probably just say, let's stay the course, and then figure out other ways to deal with this uh, oil pricing problems. Well, namely, go to... Um, go to Venezuela and uh, Saudi Arabia and uh, Iran. I think in their mind, probably they think that, um, why don't we just ask Russia to increase oil production? They're the, one of the biggest uh, exporters. It is just that strange, right? What do you think? Okay. But I think, Kathy, in a certain way, you know, <clears throat> I, I saw no, no people that are thinking about, you know, with the gas price so high, right? I need to switch to electro uh, electronic car. Yeah, so some people naturally <clears throat> just saying, okay, maybe it's a good time, yeah. especially in California. Yeah, we okay. got our Chinese uh, Americans thinking that way and would talk to us about that. That's exactly what uh, the Democratic Party, this administration want. Gas too, too pricey? Just go buy an electronic car. However, how many people can afford it? How many people can afford it? Don't they care? They probably just want to, you know, just push people to the, the electronic car so that we can save the, save the, you know, save the climate and save the planet. Well, How valid that is. I just remembered, uh, you know, a couple months ago, actually, mm -hmm. I interviewed uh, uh, an expert in the energy field, mm -hmm. uh, Terry uh, Simons, and uh, he actually, one of his point is that uh, they feel uh, the, some of the U.S. policies were intentionally just uh, drive up 
the price of the fuel mm -hmm. and uh, just advertise how the uh, clean energy is more economic and the driving you know people towards that direction so yeah but uh, you you know you can people I think can make their own judgments whether that's true or yeah. not yeah so simply just um, resume the Keystone XL pipeline and uh, you can accomplish a lot if you just open up all the oil drilling in the US we can bring down the gas price the inflation and uh, resolve the um, the war problem is in, in, in Europe and stop the invasion by Russia with all those benefits and, and make a lot of money. Simple, simple solution. We're not taking it. We'll watch, we'll watch, see how long that will, they will hold, hold, you know, hold on, hold off that. Okay, the next topic, let's move on. Okay, um, are, are you puzzled? Okay, about this, uh, okay, first the invasion, the invasion the, 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 of the U Ukrainian. Ukraine, and then the attack of the capital Kiev, right? Mm -hmm. Is a the report said is the most recent report is a stalled again, it's stalled again. Why? And now we still have this forty miles uh, convoy, right? The military convoy on, on the on the on the way up from the border all the way to the to the Kiev, and they are now moving. And then what's the reason for that? Is is that like a Russia's show of power, show of strength, or is uh, they're, they're sitting duck there? Sitting ducks, they're vulnerable. So actually, as a matter of fact, I found some solutions. Mm. All right. You mean answers? Yeah, I know that. Uh, yeah, uh, answers. And uh, and Kathy has been interviewing U.S. military officials, and me too. I try to find an answer to that. So tonight, I think I find an answer. I don't have the live interview, but let me just convey the answer I found. This is a research by, done by Lieutenant uh, uh, Colonel Alex uh, Vichini. Okay, Vichini. And he's been working as a modeling and a simulation officer in concept development and the experimentation field for the NATO and the U.S. Army. So he has 20 years combat experience, and then he's now basically working for, for the NATO mm -hmm. against, uh, you know, against Russia. So when and how did he do his research? Yeah, the, the, the research actually, the, the research paper was published in uh, November twenty third of last year, so about three years, uh, three months ago. Three months ago, yeah, before this invasion. Mm. And then, so let, let me just tell you the the, the 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 story. Very interesting. Okay, so he's he's studying what he's studying something called uh, <clears throat> how to say um, a concept called uh, uh, fiat company. Fiat company probably is the French. Okay, it, it, the meaning is attack by the Russian government aimed at seizing land, seizing territory, seizing terrain, and then quickly digging in. Mm -hmm. So basically, um, Putin, the Russia always have this ambition, right? Try to reclaim the Soviet Union's, including the Baltic countries and uh, Poland and so on and so forth, right? So they've been brewing a strategy, which is uh, they just have a sudden attack, and then move in, grab the large piece of land, then just quickly digging in, okay? At that time, what, do the NATO, what does the NATO do? Either they try to attack and grab land back. This is uh, facing very, very, you know, big, costly casualty, right? Mm -hmm. Another way is just uh, even risking the nuclear war. It's all out of war. Another option is just, you know, just bear with it, okay? Just live with it, and uh, which, of course, would undermine the faith in the credibility of the NATO. Right. Yeah, so, we'll do, you know, that, that's the situation they are in. <clears throat> And, uh, then, so how did that uh, Lieutenant Colonel find an answer for NATO? Yeah, actually, there is an answer. Okay. The answer is that Russia is very weak with this logistics if 
they are far away with the Russian railroad. Mm, so they depend a lot on the railroad then. Yeah, that's, Why that's, is that? that's something special about the, the, the Russia. Mm -hmm. uh, let me explain this, okay. So, um, <coughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> this has to do with the, <coughs> the, the Russian army, how that was supported. Okay, Russia formations, so this army formations has uh, only three quarters of the number of the combat vehicles as their U.S. counterparts, all right? But almost three times as much artillery. So the Russia logistics actually requirement are much larger than the U.S. counterparts. In the Russia, there are, you know, altogether 11 combined army, <coughs> combined arms armies, one tank army, and four army corps. So with all those militaries, almost 900,000 you know, people, mm. only 10, they call it material technical support brigades. Only 10 brigades supporting this 11 you know, combined uh, arms armies and one tank armies and, uh, and four army corps. However, okay, that aside, don't they know that it's very, very weak? They know. Mm -hmm. okay? So how do they resolve this? They have 10 so-called railroad brigades. So the, those brigades specialized in railroad security and construction and repair and so on and so forth. Okay? So why, why the railroad brigades? Because Russia moved their army and the logistics through railroad. Mm -hmm. It's a very vast country. From this end to the other end, 6,000 miles. Okay, so logistically, Russian forces are tied to railroad from factory to army depot and to combined arms army and then where possible to the division and the brigade level. All right, so railroad is Russian's backbone or their blood, blood vein. Mm. Okay, this means that Russia army rail um, sustainment capability and at the border of the former Soviet Union. Right, because mm -hmm. it's Russia's railroad. When Russia comes to the border, the railroad ends. Mm -hmm. so, <clears throat> so this is the problem. So when the fighting happened away from the railroad, and they, they, they no longer have the trains to supply the logistics, they have to rely upon trucks. And who has the trucks? Those, uh, the, 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 you know, the material and the technical sustainment uh, maintenance uh, brigades, they have the trucks. Each brigade has uh, 460 trucks. Okay? Now it comes to the detail, just hear me out. This is uh, the, the lieutenant colonel uh, wrote. He said, uh, <clears throat> assuming when you move the trucks, right, move the ammunition and the supply and the fuel on the road, and your driving speed is 45 miles per hour. Mm -hmm. And uh, your front line is 40 miles, also 45 miles away from your depot, right? Mm -hmm. So it takes one hour, estimatedly. Okay, take one hour for you to load it up, one hour to drive there, right? 45 miles per hour over a 45-mile distance. Right. And uh, off, another hour offload it, another hour drive back. Four, Four hours, hours to make one trip. Mm. So one day you can make three trips. Now let's say, okay, the, 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 the troops move deep into the enemy's territory. Now it's 90 miles distance. So okay. added they can only make two trips a day. Right, so it doubled the... Yeah, and then when it into the, how to say, the 180 miles, go down there, they can only make one trip. Okay. Okay, now it comes to the combined army, the you know, combined army, combined arms army of the Russia, they got a very, very strong, you know, firepower. 
they got this, uh, you know, this this a tube, right? The tube artillery and those things, and then the rocket artillery when they fire, it's like a, a lot of, you know, firing power, right?、Mm -hmm. One volley of the entire army, one volley, after it fired, it require up to ninety trucks just to supply the next round. Ninety trucks. Yeah, they fire at the whole army fired and just very very strong firepower. The second round take ninety trucks to supply them. Okay. All right. So basically, in short,、um, for the it only take twelve to fourteen hours for the entire army to use up expand its entire basic load of the ammunition. Then it has to stop if the truck does not come up. They have to pause. So and、uh, so Lieutenant Colonel's answer. Let me come to the answer. It's very simple. When Russian attack. It's a very risky strategy, okay. But that's their conclusion. Let them coming in, let them coming in long and far,、mm -hmm. deep into the NATO territory, and then attack its logistic line.、Mm. And this is exactly how Ukraine adopt. Remember when the Rus Russians start attacking on the February twenty fourth? There's no border line. There's no border fighting. They don't form defense line. They don't resist on every step. They withdraw all the armies and surround the Kiev, and surround the 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 Kharkov, the surround their major city. It's like a pull pull back the you know hands and form a fist and just around that, and then that extends the supply line of the Russian army.、Mm. They come in, and that's why they form so long a、um, you know the the, the military convoy. convoy, and then. The front line, they just they have no ammunition after first after the, the firing or all, all the ammo they have. Well, they are waiting、there. for the trucks to make <laughs> rounds. <laughs> yeah, and then for some reason the, the truck is stuck. The truck is not moving now for five days. They're not moving. So this is so much. This is strength of the Russian army when they leave their country. When they leave their railroad, they got a very serious logistic issue.、Mm -hmm. And another issue, actually, I interviewed.、Uh, um, A military expert in Taiwan、mm -hmm. over the weekend, and、uh, one thing he、uh, his opinion is、uh, Putin is not is he doesn't know why, but he said he's choosing a wrong season、mm -hmm. because in spring and、uh, the fall, like、uh, the because of the weather,、mm -hmm. there's a lot of mud.、Mm -hmm. On the earth, yeah, yeah. So, oh, in, tank doesn't like that. Yeah, and then the you know it really makes trouble for the tanks、right. and the, the trucks. They're gonna sink. Yeah, so that's maybe another reason. Yeah. So anyway, so we we are seeing that this number two or number three depends on you know we we which、um, source you you check.、Um, Military of the world, Russia is just like behaving like a seventy seventy year old military, like in the Second World War,、mm -hmm. right? That the moving slow, logistics is 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 weak, and then when they attack, they just bombard. They just bombard the entire city. They don't have precision, okay? They don't have consideration for you know for for civilians. They just bombard it like like seventy years ago、mm -hmm. when they were attacking Germany. That's 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 Russia. Can't believe it. Yeah, and and it's amazing. I、uh, you know saw the reports、um, like、uh, just the civilians in Ukraine、mm -hmm. actually they just attacked like nine tanks、mm -hmm. of the Russians. Yeah, yeah. And then most of them are sitting ducks. They they don't have fuel. They don't have ammo. They just sitting there to be picked picked and then destroyed. And then think about it. Okay, on on the south side, on the south side, this is from according to、um, Colonel retired Colonel John Mills. On the, on the south side, the supply is supply line is much shorter because they started from Crimea, 
Okay, they have a big military base there. They have a big logistic center there. So when they supply their attack uh, from the south, the supply line is much shorter. They are able to sustain it. On the east, okay, the supply line is also very, very short. So, but on the north, just from the Baralusa to the Kiev, that 90 miles, it's 90 miles, okay? Mm-hmm. Just stretch them, and then they, they got stuck. They just basically got stuck. Not a show of force, it's a show of their weakness. Yeah, so one thing from this, I think one thing is for sure that the, you know, the, the Russians won't come to help the CCP to attack Taiwan. <laughs> Right. Yeah, this is just. But anyway, so remember that when Napoleon was attacking, you know, Russia back then, when Hitler was attacking Soviet Union, both fail on the supply line. It's too far a supply line. They cannot maintain it. Now the same story is happening here. This is why John Mills, uh, Colonel John Mills, said professional talk about logistics. Okay, amateurs talk about uh, military. How to say military tactics. power, tactic or military power. But professional talk about logistics. So if basically given the situation, if the West keeps supplying Ukrainians with the, you know, with logistics, fuel, ammo, weapon, and so on and so forth, they actually they can last. They they can last. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we'll see. We'll see. This is a situation that's unfolding every single day. And um, all right. So next, let's move on to the next topic. How about that? Okay. okay. So about the people's convoy. So we're gonna give you an update. And also, I interviewed uh, a trucking C- company CEO when I was in Florida covering the CPAC, and he ex- re- revealed something. I didn't know before. I don't know how many people, especially people who are not in the trucking industry, would know. So I think that's interesting. He explained the, from his perspective why uh, the trucking, the truckers are rising up. But uh, I think we will move to safe chat, right? We got, we got, we got, we got a strike. Yeah. Okay, so last week because of the, the reporting of the truckers, so we have to move over there. So please stay with us and uh, please switch along with us too. So our 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 staff at the at the, at the back back uh, uh, studio, uh, please post the safe chat um, link and then yeah so yeah just a while you are you know making the transition to safe chat um in the just uh, i think a very quick update of the people's convoy they arrived the dc beltway and um, uh, this morning they are actually staging at uh, hagerstown maryland mm-hmm. which uh, yeah and uh, so uh, according to the organizers, they uh, avoid they would avoid entering the DC, you know, the city, and over the concerns of uh, media casting them in the same light as January sixth. So I talked to one of uh, the um, partners of the People's Convoy just this afternoon. So I will give you the update uh, once we uh, switch to. Oh, totally just, you know, continue with the safe chat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, please, uh, let's just move over there. Let's do it at the same time. Okay, we got the link there. There are two links. Either way will work. The first one got directly go to the show. The second go to our page. Oh, Mark said not able to safe chat. Is that right? Yeah. Wh- wh- how, how just, you just click that again. And um, yeah, yeah. If, you, if the one doesn't work, the one that you click on doesn't work, uh, click the other one. 
And um, yeah, also we, we have to turn off the monetization um, for this one uh, due to the concern that you understand. So if you, if you can donate to us, uh, thank you very much. All right. Just yeah, so I just checked uh, our safe chat broadcasting is working yeah, properly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you can just uh, click on the link, if you have not um, registered, just use your email mm -hmm. or your, you know, the social media account and uh, register so that uh, you not only be able to watch the sh continually to watch the show show but also you will be able to make comments right yeah. okay let's go one two three click the first link click all right all right everyone yeah welcome to safe chat and uh this is a place where you really can speak freely yeah and, so it's uh, it's unfortunate that uh, um youtube just uh you know, because of our live coverage of the People's Convoy launching event on uh, February 23rd. Right. Yeah, in Southern California uh, at uh, Atlanta. So, but, you know, because of um, we, people talked about, about the mandate, the vaccine, things like that, it just uh, give us strike and uh, forbidden us to post or do anything on our channel, the yeah. YouTube channel, for one week. Yeah, and, and I think about that. Okay, Kathy and our uh, the, the cameraman just uh, drove overnight there, and what sh they did is only reporting as is. Give a microphone to a person who has opinion to... Yeah, see, the, what's on the uh, video footage right now, that's the uh, doctor who's on the American front, front line of doctors. Mm -hmm. I. I believe it is because those doctors talked about uh, the vaccine mandates, the early treatment, things like that. It, it triggered the YouTube mm -hmm. to, you know, censor yeah. us. Yeah, so we are not, you know, we don't want to censor ourselves, but uh, when they don't allow us to uh, post anything and uh, do any shows on YouTube channel, you know, that's not good for our viewers. And uh, also a lot of viewers, they just don't know what's going on. They don't even let you to post a, a note mm -hmm. in the community to let our audience know, you know, why we disappeared, right? right? So that's how it what happened. Oh, anyway, so uh, today, yeah, this afternoon, I talked to uh, one of the main person who's um, uh, they are organizations working with the People's Convoy, and uh, he's telling me that um, they gonna their plan for tomorrow is uh, to going to meet with a group of senators, and also they will have a press conference at uh, eleven a.m. Eastern time. And uh, at the moment, I was talking to him. Actually, he said, uh, you know, I cannot t talk too much because they uh, appear to be working, you know, talking to the Capitol Police mm -hmm. about tomorrow's arrangement. But according to, you know, um, just their, uh, when, when I talked to the, their, you know, one of their spokesperson uh, and in Southern California when they just launched, they don't plan to have the whole convoy going into Washington, D.C., just to avoid, you know, avoid uh, something, similar thing will happen in January 6th. So, yeah, that's uh, just a very quick update. Mm -hmm. So, 
Uh, and then uh, next, I would like to share with you, you know, like from the truckers' comp uh, industry. Actually, I found out something very, you know, interesting is that we, we all know why people um, organize this convoy, right? One thing is they in were inspired by the Freedom Convoy mm -hmm. in California, yeah. uh, in Canada, and uh, you know, main purpose is really not only opposing those uh, mandates, the vaccine, the mask man mandates, but also, moreover, it's really about to taking back uh, people's uh, freedom. But one thing about like. I always have this question, like, why the truckers, mm -hmm. right? Why the truckers? Yeah, the truckers? Yeah. So, yeah, I interviewed uh, um, Mike Collins, who's from Georgia. He has a trucking company. He's a CEO of this family-owned trucking company called uh, Collins Trucking uh, Corporation uh, Company. And he told me something about the trucking company, how, you know, and it's kind of, it really makes sense. And by the way, my Collins is also running for Congress mm. uh, in Georgia to represent uh, the Georgia district. So, you know, then I just, we chatted about the convoy, about why he is running for the Congress. So next I will bring you uh, this episode of my interview with my Collins. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and when you say truckers are in the news here lately, they are. You know, and they, it's just average, everyday, ordinary working people that are standing up for their rights. And you asked me why I decided to run for Congress. Well, for the past 30 years, my wife and I, we have been in the trucking industry. I'm a second generation trucking company owner. And that trucking industry is the most regulated and taxed industry that there is in this country. And so I can take that knowledge and I can take those 30 years of getting my brains beat in, my teeth kicked out, and I can take that experience to Washington because our federal government has gotten so large, so unaccountable to the average everyday American that it's time. It's time to take our country back. And that message in the messenger is really resonating. Our district is just a good, wholesome, blue-collar, rural area uh, where, you know, when I, when I tell people that, that, that I represent, I am the 10th district. I mean, you're looking at the average type of person in the 10th district of Georgia. I think a lot of people are not so knowledge about this uh, industry. You know, well, you know, you think trucking, trucking is the only job that you have as a driver that you have to record and write down what you do 24 hours a day every day of your career you have to have that recorded that's because of the logs and, and it's okay to federal laws yeah and and we have always been told to just take it deal with it and take it and then you fast forward to, to the pandemic when the pandemic hit we've got families too and we left our families at home and they were scared. Nobody knew what was coming, but they went out there and they did their job. And a lot of times they did their job with people that wouldn't let you get out of the truck. The rest areas were closed. The truck stops were closed. The only thing you could buy was fuel, no food, no showers, but they still went out there and they did their job because they knew how important it was to keep this economy rolling and to keep the products moving. Then, 
the federal government decides we're going to go with vaccine mandates on all truck drivers who spend 90% of their time alone. They back off of that a little bit, but then they say we got to do cross-border vaccine mandates, period, going between Canada and, and, and the U.S. And that's when our friends in Canada said enough is enough. It's time to draw a line in the sand. And by the way, we're not just drawing a line in the sand for these vaccine mandates on cross-border crossing. We're doing it for everything else. We have been pushed and pushed and pushed by liberal federal government for decades. And it's time to stop that. It's time to get our freedoms back. Truck drivers are just the vehicle to do that. And it's kind of neat because they've been a vehicle that's been pounded on for so many years. That's a, it's, a, it's, it's a great day to be in the trucking industry. I've always loved this industry, but uh, it's one that, uh, that uh, we are proud to be taking up this mantle and doing this convoy across America, not just for the vaccine, man. It's, it's, it's way past that, way past that. Then some people say, oh, you, you disrupted the supply chain and the things like that. Well, we do, and, and it did happen. And there's not saying there's going to be some pain and some awakening, but I'm going to tell you something. The American people that I talk to, they're 100% behind it. They're okay with that. Because if that's what it takes to shake up and wake up this federal government, then that's, that's what has to happen. And that, that's okay with that. Hey, they shut down the economy for the pandemic, the entire economy, the federal government did for no reason, shouldn't have done that. So a little bit of enduring of, of, of painful with shelves, I, I think everybody is fine with that. So how do you uh, think of, you know, with the people like you trying to get to the Congress campaign? Well, what I can take to the table up there is out of 435 people in Congress, do you realize there's not a single member of Congress that owns and operates a trucking company? That alone gives me a different perspective on, on dealing with rules, regs, and taxes up there. But it's that business intuitive that I have of starting a business, running a small business. You, Washington is not run like a business, but it needs to be. We don't pass budgets. We don't pass appropriation bills. We pass these huge conglomerate omnibus budget deals. And then six months later, what are we looking at? Debt ceiling increases. Oh, how did that happen? Well, you're not, you're not budgeting and you're not trying to run this place like a business to get that debt and deficit down. If we don't get this debt under control and the deficit taken care of, this country is going to have a lot more problems than a va uh, vaccine mandate or a mask mandate. With the, this um, direction that the country is going, when did you realize? I've been, uh, we've seen this for a number of years. I mean, the debt didn't just happen in the last year or so. But I tell you something else that people really want to see. They want somebody to go fight. And I mean literally go fight. And when you take a person like me who has been out there fighting for everything he's ever gotten, that has been very successful, I've been very, very blessed in what I've been able to accomplish. I don't have another agenda to go up there. I'm very comfortable with telling people that I'll be there for six years, period. But by God, while I'm there for six years, they're going to know I came through town. Because I'm coming up there to fight for the American people. I'm coming up there to fight for America First agenda. And I'm coming up there to take our country back. And there's a group of us all across this country that are banding together. And we're going to do that. We're going up there and we will fight for the American people. So 
think the key issue American people, including you, to fight, like the key thing. Send the right people up there. We know Republicans are going to take the, the majority of the House. That We've been seeing that for a long time. They're going to take the Senate. It's a golden opportunity. This time last year, I went to Ohio to speak out against Anthony Gonzalez, a rhino Republican in Ohio, and I'm in Georgia, who voted to impeach our president. And I told those people, everybody is behind you. We've got your backs way down there in Georgia. Don't just put a Republican in a seat. Look at them. Identify them. Find out what they really stand for, because right now, this is the best time in my lifetime to really put the right Republicans in office. You send me some fighters up there, you send me some people that won't bend, bow down, squishy, we'll make a difference. We're going to. What kind of principle behind you to you won't bend? I am a Judeo-Christian person right off the bat. I'm a pro-life, pro-gun. Our constitutional rights are given to us by God, period. They're not given to us by the government. I believe in that. Second of all, I'm not looking for a job, not looking for a career. I got one. I work every day with my wife. I work with our kids. Even even our grandkids are down in our in our office. So I don't need anything to replace that. I've got an incredible career. But I can take that experience. I can go to Washington and I can fix this problem. And when I get through doing that, I'm coming back home. So that alone, I, I don't have to bend. And there will be people that will be taken out. There, there will be people that will last two years. Maybe I'm one of them. But you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that. But they'll know I came through in those two years. They'll know I gave it all I have. <laughs> right. So that's uh, Mike Collins uh, in Georgia. Yeah, he's running for uh, the District 10. Okay, so there's fighters uh, who stop sitting on the sideline and uh, jump into the game. Yeah, like you know, I think it's uh, you know uh, it's a very good example of uh, uh, how we're seeing just average Americans and uh, people like uh, Mike Collins. He's got everything in life. Mm-hmm. Basically, he yeah. has a good career, good you know, um, basically a company, family company, very successful. But he said he's willing to give it up and uh, really, you know, give it all we, what he has mm-hmm. to work for the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That will be all for today. And I, th- I think last time I was asked to, to give a joke, I, I, I wasn't prepared. I didn't prepare this time <laughs> either, but, but just right. one, one liner. Okay. One liner. It's about uh, uh, what, what, what does a smart uh, Russian and uh, a unicorn ha- have in common? What? What does a smart Russian? Okay, smart Russian. And a unicorn have it has in common. What is that? What's in common between these two? Um, they both does not. Ex- they both don't exist. Ha 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 ha! Tony wasn't prepared. <laughs> wow, that's a that's a shock. Okay, sorry, Tony. Um, anyway, okay, that will be all for today tonight, and we should have a great night. And uh, we'll see you next show, which is t- uh, Wednesday. And uh, yeah, thank you for staying with us, especially for those of you who follow us on onto the Safe Chat. Right. Really appreciate it. Okay. Take care. Okay. Stay safe. Stay strong. 
and stay faithful. All right. All so right. Good bye -bye. night. Bye bye.